So I, I know a lot of you, you know, uh, you're kind of looking forward to, <laughs> you got hooked on a cord there? I know, you know, we were in that uh, First Corinthians, the run series, and there was a lot of you, you were kind of excited after our Easter series finished last week. You're like, oh, we're going to get back into it. Uh, but here's the deal. When, when we're at the park, it means we're like, you know, all family, all hands on deck, all together. We don't have our separate kids ministry area. And uh, I got to tell you, like where we left off in Corinthians, it was chapter six, and you can go and read chapter 6. You can open it up right now, look at it, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, we, uh, we may shouldn't talk about that with uh, really young kids around. Uh, go ahead. Check it out later. You'll see what I'm saying. Uh, there's just, you know, some things that are not age appropriate. And, uh, you know, Paul, you know, sometimes he doesn't mess around when he talks, the language he uses. So I, I decided at least while we're at the park, uh, I, I just kind of... As I was spending time this week just trying to look for a different direction to go, I was asking God, okay, what do you want us to do then? You know, because in my mind, I had it all kind of mapped out. We're just going to keep going through Corinthians. And the more I kept looking at it, the more I was like, no, he doesn't want us to do that. And so I kept asking him all week, okay, tell me what the word is that you have for your people. Tell me, you know, what word do you want me to give your people today because that, that's all I'm trying to do every week. When we gather for worship, when I'm trying to listen to his voice during the week, that's all I'm really asking him. I'm asking him, what do you want me to say to your people? And he just had one word this week. So it's going to be a short message. I know some of you guys are like, it's a little chilly. It's a little cold. You're going to be okay with this. You're like, all right, let's do a short message this week. The one word he had for our church is space. If you got a journal, if you're writing it down, you can just write that down. Write down space. Not outer space. Just space. Open up with me here. If you got your Bibles. And if you don't have one, we'll get you one. We, we want to get the word into people's hands. Matthew 21, verse 12. Matthew 21, verse 12. I'll give you a second here. Verse 12, Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. That, that was what they would do. They, they would come here. And I, I've probably told you this before. And, you know, maybe some of you, you know, you'll remember. You'll be like, wow, same stuff. But some of you, it's going to be brand new. What they would do is they would, they would take, they would set up these tables. And this is where the people would come and they would, you know, they'd have to make a sacrifice at the temple. And so they would come and they would bring their animals that they thought, okay, we'll sacrifice, you know, this animal right here. And what they would do, the people at the temples, they were just scamming the, the common folk coming in for worship to make their sacrifices. They would look at like their sheep or, you know, bird, whatever they were bringing in. And they'd be like, ooh, that one, it's got a defect here. You know, it's got a little spot on it. It's not very good. Here, we'll, you know, we got some over here that are good. They've been, you know, checked. They're pure. They're perfect for sacrifice. You sell us that one, and we'll sell you this one. And, and what they were doing, they were just scamming people, okay? They, they, would, they would sell. They would buy back these animals from these people that weren't good enough. And, you know, they'd buy it for a really low price. And then they'd sell these animals that they had there for a much higher price. But then what they would do 
These animals that they were buying from the people that they said, oh, these animals aren't good enough to be used for a sacrifice. Later on, they would bring them back out and sell them for a higher price. They were robbing people in the temple. They were robbing God's people who had come to make sacrifices to worship God. So Jesus, he enters the temple and he begins to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say in Psalm 8 too, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. This right here, this is one of the reasons that I, I love that we gather as families together. Because guess what? That, that's what Jesus was doing. He was teaching children also. When they would gather, it wasn't just the adults and then they sent the kids to kids ministry like we do nowadays because, you know, it, it's so much easier sometimes. Uh, they would gather together and there'd be kids running and going crazy and it, you know, it would get loud and noisy sometimes. And, but man, what those kids were seeing, they were seeing their parents and their families worshiping and sitting under the authority of the teacher and praising God. And I think for us here at Revival, this is something where, man, I, the park, when we gather together, when we have the whole family, the whole church family together, I think there's something powerful in this moment that God wants to teach us. Because sometimes we care so much about looking like the rest of the world, you know, like, okay, all these churches, you can go to all these churches and they got awesome kids ministry areas. They got playgrounds and snacks and all this great stuff. And they don't do the all family services. And that's okay. But I, I think we miss something that the early church had and we've lost over the years. And I think when we gather together, all of a sudden, the faith that gets passed from one generation to the next, it's a more, it's a more solid faith being passed down. It's something that is seen and experienced and heard together as a family. And so when we do this together, I, I love it because the kids, we want you guys in here. Every kid in here, we want you guys in here. We want to worship with you. We want to hear you sing. We want to hear you clap. Kids, if you want to come up and, you know, we're singing at the end and you want to dance and jump, you can do that. It's fun. It should be a place where it doesn't matter what age you are, what your background is, where you're from. It's a place where the entire family of God gathers and we worship. I love that about Jesus. He replied, haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. That's part of our ministry as a church, 
to teach these next generations to give him praise. So I, I know it's going to be really easy over these next few weeks while we gather in the park. It's going to be really easy to be like, oh, my kid's too loud or that kid's too loud or, you know, some of those things. Come back. Come back to Matthew here and read these words and be reminded as we gather. It's not just about us. It's not just about what I want or what's comfortable or what I desire. There's something bigger going on here that God is doing and moving through. <laughs> Amen. All right, let it rain. Yeah. Now, the other thing here, when I, when I think about this word space, Jesus, he wants to make space in your life, okay? When he comes in and he clears the temple, what is he doing? He is making space. And he is making space violently. Like, this is violence right here. Like, he's coming over and he is tossing tables. I mean, he is not just, you know, cool, calm, and collected here. He is angry. It's a righteous anger, and it is violent in nature, the way he tosses these tables, and he moves things out, and he clears the temple. We're going to look a little bit at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6. This is that passage, okay? 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Your body, our bodies, they're temples of the Holy Spirit. So when we read these words of Jesus coming in and violently clearing out the temple, we don't need to read that as the church, like this building. We should be reading that as ourselves. We are the living temple. And what Jesus wants to do, he wants to come in and clear space in his temple. Because right now, we've made it so there's no room left in the temple. Right? Think about everything you filled the temple with this week. Every lust, every desire, every image, every song you listened to, every movie you took in, every distraction, every person that you encountered. How much did you take into your temple this week that should not be there? How much did we take in this week that does not belong and Jesus wants to come in in this moment and he wants to violently clear it out so there is space for him to move and work and breathe again? Because that's what we do. We stifle the Holy Spirit. That's what happens. Every decision, every choice we make, if it goes against his voice, what we are doing is we are stifling the Holy Spirit He's a flame. He's a fire. What happens when the fire doesn't have air? It dies. It goes out. We are stifling the Holy Spirit. 
There needs to be space. And so when we talk about clearing out the temple, the very first thing you can do is begin to take a Sabbath. Like this is insane. When you look at our world today, it, it doesn't make sense because what do we do? We, we should be working, you know, six, seven days a week and we should be working 40, 50 hours a week and doing everything we can to earn and gain because that's what the world around us says we should do. But what does God say? He says, you need to rest. You need to Sabbath. You need to sit and do nothing because you are more than what you do. That's what we get caught up, caught up in. We worship what we do because we think that's what gives us worth, that's what gives us value, what we earn, what we do, what we make, what we create. And one day a week, he says, no, 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 just sit in the Sabbath and do nothing. Make space for me. Make space to realize that the world around you, it will continue and it will move forward and it will go on. And it's not all going to come crashing down because you take one day off to make space for him. He can't fill your life if there's no room left. That's what he wants to do. He, he wants to fill the temple with his presence, with the Holy Spirit. But if we don't leave room for him, there's nothing left. There's no room for him to work and move and speak. And so I, I, I would tell you, one of the hardest things for me in my life is cutting off my value and my purpose for one day a week because I, I've tied it up for so long in what I do. I, I didn't really take a Sabbath for a long time in ministry. I didn't really take a rest. You know, I kind of had an off day, but I was still always kind of thinking, what's this next thing I need to work towards? What's this next thing I need to work on? What's this next thing I need to produce? Because that's what gives me value. And all he wants is your heart. He doesn't need you to do anything. He doesn't need you, even in ministry. He doesn't need you. He chooses to use you. He, he has a purpose for you. He's created you for ministry. He's created you for good works. But he needs your presence with him to make space for him. That's a hard thing. But he violently clears out the temple. And I, I think for us this week, what does it look like to violently clear space in our lives? It, it might mean for me, like, here, here's my confession to you. When I, man, when I'm struggling, when I'm like dealing with something, when I don't know how to move forward in life, all I do is I, I just want to get numb and so I turn on a show or I turn on TV and I just, I, I turn my brain off to the world. And, and that's not a Sabbath. Like sometimes we think, oh, that's Sabbath. If, I, if I'm just sitting and resting and watching a show or a movie, really what you're doing is you're still not leaving any space for him because he wants those moments of silence and solitude with you. Even if it's just five minutes out of your day to just sit and listen to the whisper of God, to sit and listen and do nothing. 
to not be distracted by a cell phone. That, that's one of the first acts of violence you can do. You can turn off your phone completely. That's violence, right? Like that sounds crazy to us. How can we live with it shut off for even five minutes of our day? But when you do that, it frees you up to stop worrying about what might come in, what notification you might be missing and to just sit and listen to his voice in his presence. The last thing I'll say, in Malachi, Malachi is the last book before Matthew. It's a short one. Malachi 3, verse 6. He wants us to make space with our time. And he wants us to make space with our resources. And it doesn't make sense. Like, I've said this a lot, but the math of God does not make sense. Okay? It doesn't always add up. There was this conference uh, a few years back, and there were some major, you know, major owners of different businesses that gathered, and, uh, and they were talking about successful business strategies. And this owner of Sonic, Sonic, the fast food joint, not the hedgehog, uh, he got up, and he was speaking about their profits and how they were doing, and he said, it doesn't make sense what's happening because right now, and, and he wasn't ripping on this company, but he was just like praising their, their strategy. He said, it doesn't make sense what's happening because we are open seven days a week, you know, every week of the year, but we are getting killed in the marketplace by this company that is open one less day a week than we are. That, that's 52 days a year that we should be, smoking them. We should be getting ahead of them because we're outworking them. You guys know which company, right? Chick-fil-A? Yeah, yeah. You get it. You know. If you've eaten there, you're like, I get it. Yeah. No wonder they're smoking them. But that's what's going on. It doesn't make sense. The math of God does not add up in the world's eyes. They're taking a Sabbath one day a week, and the rest of the world is looking at that, and they're thinking, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to blow past these guys, but they're not. That, that's our mindset when it comes to space. We, we think we don't have time to make space, but the fact is when we make space, God produces more than we ever could on our own. God produces more than what we can do in seven days when we rest and we trust him than what we could try to earn and work through on our own every day, year after year of our lives. And so I, I tell you this right here. Malachi 3, verse 6. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? 
You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouses so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. You won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He wants us to make space in every area of life. And when it comes to clearing out the heart, when it comes to clearing out the temple, the one thing that holds us back so often is our finances. Like that's the one thing that he keeps saying into the life of our church. And, and I, I know this. I, I know people are like, why, why are the church always talking about this? Guess what? He cares more about your heart than the money. And he knows this is what's holding you back right now. It's a God. It's an idol. He wants to tear it down. And so he's saying, Tear down this idol by trusting me with that first 10. Don't bring, uh, don't bring your, you know, your last 10. Don't bring what's left after you've spent everything for the entire month. Don't give me your leftovers. Give me your very best. Test me and see that I'll give you above and beyond what you could ever measure. That's what Chick-fil-A does. When they take one day off a week, at the very beginning of the week, they're saying, hey, we're going to trust God that we don't need that first tenth. We are taking a Sabbath and we are trusting him and making space for him to move and produce in our lives. And that's what he does. Here's my last thing. Worship band, you guys can come on up. It's just, it's a story about this. Because I, I know, like, there's something right now, you're, I, I can feel it. You, you're like, I, I don't want to hear about money. I don't want to hear about it because it's mine and I earned it. Well, guess what? He's the creator of all things. It's his. Everything is his. We live under his roof. Everything is his. When we give, you're not giving to people. You're giving to the creator whether it's your time or whether it's your resources, we give to him and we trust him. And what's he say there in Malachi? I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Put him to the test today. May 1st, here you go. It was just payday, right? We all, you know, everybody got paid. Put him to the test today. Give him your very first tenth. Put him to the test and see that he doesn't give above and beyond in greater measure than what you could ever imagine, what you could ever produce on your own. A year ago, when we were first getting ready to start this church, I love telling this story because it's just, it's about him. My wife and I, at the church we were at before, we tithed faithfully every year that we were there. And I think we were there 12 years. 
And there was this moment of anger and bitterness last year before we had started this church, and we were kind of getting ready to start this church, and, and we were just kind of thinking, like, it was my first month ever not having a job and not having a regular paycheck coming in. And I had this moment of anger and bitterness, and this thought came to my head, and I just said, God, I know you want us to start this church. I know you want us to start revival, and I know you're going to do great things. I don't see how yet. I don't see how we're going to survive financially as a family. I don't see what that looks like right now. And I said, God, I wish that I had the money back right now that I had given those people all those years. And God said, shut up. You were giving it to them. You were giving it to me. And I said, God, but it was a pretty big amount over all that time. And I, and I, I don't tell this story to tell you like, oh, man, because some people will say that's a lot of money. Some people will say this a little. But I, I'm telling you this story to tell you about who God is as provider. And I said, God, I know. Like, I, I calculated it in my head, and I, and I talked about it with my wife. And I said, I, if we had that money, I, I bet that money that we gave over all those years, I calculated it out. And I said, I, I bet it was about $100,000 over all that time. And like I said, some of you, you might be like, wow, that's a lot. They're crazy. And some of you are like, that's not very much. That's okay. I don't care. And all, all he did was tell me to shut up and watch. And in six months, God provided through the church, through his people, for this church to begin to get started. He provided $120,000. He said, I gave you above and beyond what you wanted. Shut up and watch me work. Some of you, you are holding back right now because you don't believe he's going to provide. You're, you're working seven days a week and you're missing out on your family and the life he wants you to enjoy because you don't think you can rest because you can't afford to take a day off. You can't afford to spend time with your kids or your wife. You can't afford to spend time with your parents or your friends because you think, I, I don't have time for that. And he's saying, sit back and rest and watch how I provide in your life. Make space for him to move and speak. He's going to provide in greater ways than you could ever imagine. We're going to have a time of communion. And in this moment, I, I would tell you, just gather up with somebody around you, somebody that you came with, or, or maybe just have this moment by yourself, but just pray for each other. Don't be afraid to ask for prayer if you need it. Don't be afraid to talk about what you're struggling with, to talk about what's going on in your life right now, to talk about what it is that you think God is calling you to do to move forward in your faith and to live the life he's called you to. But pray for each other. There's power in prayer and there's power in confession. Holy Spirit wants to move in this moment. But we have to clear out the temple. Everything that's been pulling at us, everything that's been distracting us, everything that we've been worshiping in this world ahead of God, we have to clear out our temple in this moment. And remember, Jesus is king.
He's king of our hearts. And we remember what he did for us on the cross, and we remember the empty tomb in this moment. And so we take this bread, and we take this juice, and we praise him for the work that's already been done, and we praise him for the fact that it is finished. That's how we move forward in faith and trusting him with every part of our lives. Make space for him in this moment.